Welcome to the Referral Bench Podcast, a weekly podcast for business owners and salespeople growing their business with networking and referrals. I'm Ian Campbell, CEO of Mission Suite. And I'm Phil Pelto, CEO of Firestorm. If you're working on growing your network, we have another great episode coming your way today. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get to this week's interview. This podcast is brought to you by Firestorm. Firestorm is a business-to-business networking organization that organizes events and meetings for business owners and professionals where they can meet, build relationships, and share referrals. Learn more at myfirestorm.com. And this podcast is brought to you by Mission Suite, offering small business owners, salespeople, and sales teams the contact management and sales automation software they need to grow their business at a cost that they can afford. Learn more about Mission Suite at www.themissionsuite.com. And this podcast is brought to you by Morton Design Co. Morton Design Co. is a collaborative, creative studio based in Denver, Colorado. They help businesses tell their unique story through thoughtful strategy and kick-ass design. Their aim is to give small to medium-sized businesses the visual impact of their larger competitors. Specialties include brand identity, logo development, and print design. Visit mortondesignco.com to learn more. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Referral Bench Podcast. Uh, today is going to be a, a, a bit of a different day than we normally have. We are not actually going to be having uh, an, a, a standard interview guest, but rather we are going to be interviewing uh, Phil Pelto, who is, uh, uh, I've had the pleasure of getting to know and uh, partner with on a number of things, actually, including this podcast. And uh, Phil has been in various forms of business for pretty much his entire life. In fact, I don't think that he has ever drawn a salary, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got paid hourly once, but right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, so yeah, he is kind of the the consummate salesperson, uh, and of course, uh, given in no small part, given his business, has uh, been phenomenal at developing relationships, building referrals, and uh, and really making an impact that way. So. Uh, we're, I'm excited to, to talk to him and have him share, uh, the things that, uh, that, that he has to share with us here today too. Sweet. Thanks so. for having me on our podcast. Yeah. Right. <laughs> welcome. Uh, welcome home. I, yeah. I think, right? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you had mentioned, uh, in when we were chatting the last time it's, you know, it's like going to the guest room or something. And there, there was a time that, um, we, rented out our house on Airbnb right. for a whole month. And the family that was renting our house invited us over for dinner at our house. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, it was, it was a phenomenal experience, uh, but just a little weird. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So. Yeah. That's, uh, so yeah, Phil, uh, Phil has been, you know, an adventurer for, uh, for the, the majority of his life, uh, which is one of the things that he and I bonded over. Yep. Um, but uh, but among other things, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite stories about uh, my well, conversation with Phil was, you know, we were going up to uh, on the elevator, going up to a networking event, and he casually looks at me and says, "So I ran four fourteeners this weekend in just under four hours," and I'm like, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> 
I'm like, dude, it took me eight hours to just to do one 14 er round trip uh, one time, and that was the easy one, right? You know, so uh, so yeah, it's uh, so Phil's got a lot to share, um, but we're gonna try and uh, kind of try and focus a little bit on the on the referral side of things. So true, uh, true. But yeah. you know, there's always I, I love the parallels between you know, running and I mean, really anything, you know, sports for the, any sports, team sure. sports, um, and business and, you know, just, uh, it, there's so many things that you can, uh, you know, draw parallels yep. between and absolutely, yeah, it's good stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, so Phil, why don't you start by uh, giving, uh, giving our listeners a bit of a background on, uh, your experience, where you came from, uh, you know, the 42 different countries that you've lived in or whatever, and, you know, go from there. Yeah. So, um, it's, uh, it's been a wild ride and, you know, you mentioned adventure and, and whatnot. And, and I, uh, I feel like I make decisions based on the story that I'm going to get out of it later. You know, like if it sounds like it's going to wind up in a good story, I'm probably in. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, and I don't know where that came from cause I, I did not necessarily grow up that way. But, um, anyway, I, I, I grew up in Minnesota and was kind of, we moved around a lot, you know, for, for various reasons, you know, just moving from one apartment to the other. And, you know, I, I went to, I want to say I went to like seven different schools before I graduated high school. Um, I have it written down in a, in a PowerPoint presentation somewhere. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of moving and a lot of, uh, you know, new schools and making friends fast and all that fun stuff. So, um, the, uh, uh, my wife and I, when we moved to Denver, um, we've been here for seven years now. Um, this is actually the longest I've ever held one address, um, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but anyway, so grew up in Minnesota and, uh, moved around a lot. Um, you know, I, I thought I was going to get into accounting or engineering or something. I, you know, I, I was kind of a numbers geek. I was actually on the accounting team in high school. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. There's, there's an, there was an accounting team. Yeah. There's a, it's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> and, uh, Do I they would, have like regionals and states and nationals sure and whatnot. Do. Yep. Oh, wow. I went to state and <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I actually, um, this was before, you know, computers were, you know, a huge thing. I mean, like everybody had computers, right? Sure. Like we had computers in school. I had one at home, but like they weren't so readily available that they'd have them in competitions and nobody had laptops. And, you know, so when we went to competitions, it was actual, you know, paper and pencil, you know, here's a, uh, you know, chart of accounts and, you know, you got to figure out a balance sheet and, you know, it's, it was pretty ridiculous. So, uh, that, yeah, anyway, so I, as you can tell, I was like super popular. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, uh, I was also, uh, in our, uh, varsity, whatever, you know, choir and, oh, sure, and sure. then the jazz show choir, which was extracurricular after school. Right. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. Super, super popular kid. <laughs> um, but, uh, anyway, I, uh, was, I got my first job. Well, if you go all the way back, I, my first sort of not job job was hustling candy and, <laughs> you know, stink bombs on the park or the, the playground when I was sure. like in third grade. Um, but my first official paying job was a, I was a bus boy and, uh, you know, that was like the, the first hourly job that I got. And I think I was 14 when I started working there. And then, uh, 
I got a job pulling chairs at the ski hill. And then my girlfriend's dad um, owned a chimney and furnace cleaning company. And he offered me a job uh, telemarketing. And at the time, I think he offered me, I want to say it was like 50 cents or 75 cents more an hour to telemarket than I was making at the ski hill. And I was like, yeah, why not? That's, sure, you know, huh? I think it was a six. 25 an hour that I was going to make telemarketing, oh, which nice. was big money, man. Yeah. Um, and I was a, a sophomore in high school. And so I started, you know, telemarketing and I didn't know anything about sales or calling people or nothing. And, uh, I was just dumb enough and just scared enough of him to listen to what he had to say. And he was like, you know, here's your script. And here's a telephone book and <laughs> there's a phone and you take it off the hook and you dial numbers for eight hours and then you hang it up and that's your job. Right. And I was like, cool, I'm yeah. in. And uh, so I did that for uh, a while and I was actually really good at it, you know, and mostly because I just dialed a lot of numbers, you know. Sure. Yeah. I mean, anybody that's been in sales for any amount of time realizes yeah. it's a numbers game. Right. And you can suck pretty bad and still do well if you just make a lot of calls. Yep. So I think I got lucky, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, natural ability there, but, um, for the most part, it was just a lot of for sure. smile and dial. That's it. <laughs> so, um, and then I got recruited, uh, to sell Cutco. Uh, there's, uh, usually you have to be, a um, senior in high school. They go, they try and recruit kids that are between their senior year of high school and their freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, singing at the graduation. Okay. And uh, so I got I got a flyer a year early. Right. Um, so I started between the summer between my junior and senior year in high school. Nice. And uh, and you know a lot of people uh, ha are probably familiar with Cutco. Um, and a lot of people uh, do it for a short period of time. Um, you know, if you're most of the kids last a summer. Right. Um, I was there for five and a half years and it was an amazing experience. And, you know, for, uh, I give so much credit to Cutco for a lot of things, which would take like 17 podcasts to talk about. <laughs> um, but, uh, the biggest thing as it relates to what we're talking about is Cutco forced me and not, it, it made me, um, learn how to get referrals. Yeah. Because um, I grew up in a in a not so financially stable, <laughs> you know, we were poor. Um, sure. <laughs> we're sure. <laughs> we uh, and I should say we I should distinguish we were broke. You know, poor is a mindset. Like, right. Sure. We sure. Were, yeah. We didn't have any yeah. money. Um, and we. Uh, so the point was my my friends and my parents' friends and you know the people that I knew, they didn't necessarily have um, the resources to buy Cutco. And so I knew that if I wanted to get, uh, you know, sales, I'd have to get out of my, you know, sort of warm network and my yeah. sphere of influence. And, and um, my manager at the time, um, and it's part of the program, you know, it's part of the part of the Cutco deals, you know, you don't cold call, you get referrals. Sure. Um, but he taught, taught me how to do it and I latched onto that and was really good at it. So, um, I started getting a ton of referrals. It grew my sales with, with Cutco. And then I became, you know, one of the guys that, um, the company went to, to, you know, 
do trainings on referrals, you know, and go speak at the, you know, division conference or the region conference and, you know, teach people how to ask for referrals. And so that kind of started me down this path. And I realized like I was, I was good at cold calling right? and I knew my numbers, you know, I'd make, you know, hundred dials. I'd talk to 20 people, you know, I'd get maybe 10 conversations and I'd get, you know, one sale. Right. And it was pretty consistent, yep. you know, it was inefficient, but consistent. Sure. And we, uh, you know, with Cutco, I realized like, oh my gosh, to get one sale, I only need to, you know, get five referrals. Right. And then I can, you know, talk to four of them, sure. you know, get three appointments and close, you know, two sales or something, you know? Right, was, right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I was like, oh my gosh, so why has never nobody ever told me about this before? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then, uh, as I, you know, I got older and I, so I got out of the Cutco thing and I went, I sold copiers for a year with Canon, um, which was pretty straight, you know, like knocking on doors, pounding the pavement, you know, cold calling. And then I got into selling suits for Tom James. And, uh, and then I was back to another referral based business. And it was, you know, it was this world where, you know, I was selling high end custom suits, to people that were professionals, entrepreneurs, you know. Um, and again, when I started that job, I was 24. Mm-hmm. And like my friends weren't spending two grand on suits. Sure. So I had to get referred, you know, into this other echelon of people and uh, got got pretty good at that. So, um, and then I, you know, with the, uh, I was really good at asking for referrals, but I wanted to, um, develop a system where, you know, people would know what I did and just give me referrals, you know, like I wouldn't have to ask because, you know, I'm I'm a little bit lazy. Sure. Uh, (laughs) and, uh, I used to feel efficient with your time is what I like to, yeah, right. Well, I think it was Bill Gates that said something or, you know, wrote this in a book or whatever. He's like, you know, if you want something done, give it to a lazy person because they'll figure out a system and like the most efficient way to get it done. That's right. So, um, that's, I, that's, that's me, you know, I, I don't, want to do any extra work. <laughs> so, um, but, I, uh, I was like, Oh, okay. There's people that talk to those same types of clients, you know, like professionals that are wearing suits, you know, I need to go build relationships with them and figure that out. And, um, so that's what we did. And we, uh, so we, we started Cutco, uh, Cutco, uh, we started Firestorm, uh, as a way for me to control my prospecting efforts, sure. you know, it was really no grandiose business idea. It was just, uh, you know, Hey, I need to get in front of people that I can sell suits to and that are talking to the same type of clients that I want to talk to. And, um, yeah, so started Firestorm back in 2005 and, uh, you know, it was just straight up side hustle for, yeah. you know, other clients. So, nice. Yeah. Anyway. Very nice. So, there's a story that I heard reference of about the Pelto suit. The Pelto. And a few, you know, and then showing up to networking events with like three guys that didn't know each other that all realized that they were wearing Pelto suits. Yeah, yeah. So kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, you you start to run in the same circles and you realize like the business community isn't, really as big or daunting as you think it is or might be. And, uh, you know, I, this was in Minneapolis, which is a little bit of a small town. I mean, it's not a small town, but it's, you know, it's kind of got that small town feel to it. And, um, 
so I don't. I just I was really good um, at getting into these little circles and you know going through and selling suits to everybody, and uh, um, so it turned out that you know a lot of the guys that I was dealing with, and I, I had a decent book of business. I think I probably had like I don't know four hundred clients or something wow. like that um, that I you know did business with on a on a regular basis, and um, yeah, uh, Rick Kaufman, um, right. <laughs> who was, uh, also a guest on our, yep. our podcast, uh, he showed up in, in this, uh, meeting and, um, I'm, I'm spacing right now on the other couple of people that were there, but, um, there, uh, a couple other dudes that were in the, the community and, um, they were all talking about how well they looked because <laughs> you know we were all like i mean this is back in the day we were all in our like you know mid to late 20s right, and like yep. super interested and in, you know looking super sweet and <laughs> um you know who's got the nicest like you know cufflinks and oh, sure, sure. there's uh you know there was this thing i used to do for all my uh clients um i'd have them uh you could actually embroider a signature uh-huh. on the cuff and so, you know, it was like the next level of uh, monogram, right. you know, so instead of just having your initials, you could actually have your signature. And, uh, you know, so there are little touches like that where people would be like, oh, that's interesting. Like, where, where'd you get that? Yeah, right, and right. So, yeah, it was funny. These guys are all in the room and they're like, oh, that's that's Pelto suit. <laughs> ah, this is a Pelto suit. <laughs> so. Oh, I love that. And, you know, the, one of the reasons, I, I, I mean, that, that story kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of, uh, kind of hits is that, you know, it kind of harkens back to, uh, to our interview with Craig Jones. Uh-huh. And, you know, when he really talked about, talked a lot about, you know, making sure that whatever you do for the clients that you're working with, do it incredibly well. Yeah. Right. And make sure that, uh, that it's that, that you're at 110% because that's how whoever, you know, so like whoever that first guy, the, the first guy that got the, the signature on his cup. Yeah. Yeah. You know, was saw that somebody else saw that and said, where can I get that? And they, yep. you know, made the introduction and then the introduction, the introduction. And so, you know, to to the point where all of a sudden you've got three people standing in a circle realizing they're all wearing suits by the same person. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, that that kind of a thing is, uh, I mean, you can only do that if you're doing it pretty, really, really well, right? I think it's so important that, you know, people, you know, like, take that to heart. And, like, whatever you're going to do, do it well. Do it to the best of your ability. And, you know, that that's your brand, you know? And... um. I, there's so many examples of that throughout the years and and so many lessons that you can take from that sort of mindset about just putting 100% effort into whatever it is that you do. Um, and there's a couple things that I just, you know, real quick we'll talk about. Um, there, uh, There's a quote that says, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Uh-huh. And the the idea being that, you know, it's, it's all the same, you know, the, the level of effort that you put into, you know, if I, if I am in the bathroom and I'm drying my hands off and I throw the paper towels and they hit the floor and I'm like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to leave it for the next guy. It's not my problem. Like that attitude permeates itself through everything else that you do. And so, you know, go pick up the paper towel, put it, you know, I mean, like one of my biggest pet peeves is people that don't return their shopping carts, you know, like they don't, 
they just leave it in the middle of the parking lot and I'm going to drive in and right. it's, you know, it might roll in and dent my car or whatever. Like, I don't even care about that. Like, you know, I just care about people being so lazy that right. they don't, they, how hard is it to walk your shopping cart over? And not like good lazy either. Right? No. I mean, not like figuring out a way to get things done lazy. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there's, uh, I don't know. The, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And I just think it's so important to, to take pride in what you do. And the, the other, um, there's a great song by Jimmy Buffett and I'm a huge Buffett fan. I don't know. I mean, mo, mo, a lot of people are probably rolling their eyes right now, but, um, <laughs> he's super awesome. Uh, there's a, uh, there's a song, I think it's called, it's my job. And, um, it's him and Mac McNally that, um, and they just talk about, you know, like doing the best and, you know, there's, whether you're, sweeping the floor, your janitor, or, you know, you're the CEO of some company, like just do your best. Yeah. That's all you can ask for. So, and you gotta, you know, if I go home at night and I feel like I put in, a, you know, my best effort for the day, like I can sleep at night. I don't need to be, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos rich, right, although right. it'd be sweet. So yeah, yeah sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, if I could afford to spend what a billion dollars on the clock in a mountain, or you know, ten yeah, billion right? dollars, whatever. Yeah, can't right. Wait. I can't yeah. wait to go see that thing. <laughs> I know, right? Seriously. Um, <clears throat> so you know, you started Firestorm mostly as a side hustle deal, right? Yeah, as yeah. Like you know, just as a as an effort to try and get uh, to try and get clients and kind and and really focus your prospecting efforts. Yep. When did you realize that it was going to take over your life, <laughs> um, your work life, anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, I think it was probably uh, a couple years into it. You know, we had. Uh, we had grown just, you know, kind of, uh, not trying at all, not trying to grow, you know, people just kept being interested in, in joining. And so we'd do these big social events and we'd have, um, you know, our regular meetings and everything. But, um, I really got serious about it in 2009. Um, so it, was, it I got out of the suit business in March of 2009 mm -hmm. and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And, yeah, sure. um, you know, it was re real, crisis at you know 29 yeah right uh, <laughs> and, um i uh i was trying to figure out what i want to do and i was like oh you know i've got this firestorm thing you know and it's been growing and you know let's just get after that yeah. and uh so we uh i threw some money in it and decided you know i was gonna take it on full time and and then since then we've um you know gotten a lot you know it's grown a lot and we've gotten a lot more sophisticated and you know kind of um just learned a lot and, you know, we're still continuing to grow. And, um, I just, I, I really love, and th this was what made me excited about it. Um, I'm a small business guy. I'm a hustler. I, you know, I just like being out there doing business and yeah. talking to other people that are doing business and sure. finding ways to make it happen. And I like talking to those people and I like being around a variety of businesses and, you know, hearing their stories. And yeah. I like, um, helping them grow. And, and I'm a sales guy, you know, I've, I've always been in sales and there's a piece of me that just is never going to be able to let that go. And so I, I like coming at this relationship building and networking, uh, thing from a sales angle where, you know, we're really focused at growing top line revenue with, right. with the relationships, sure. um, and making it, a a duplicatable, 
repeatable process, you know, to, to systematize your, your networking. Right. Um, and so that's what got me really excited about it. And, uh, and I, I love the success stories that I hear from other people. And, yeah. you know, I just got a call a couple of days ago, um, from, uh, one of our guys and he's like, Hey man, you know, closed another $130,000 deal from, <laughs> you know, a referral. And, uh, you know, and that's just like, uh, he, he was excited about it, but right. it was like, you know, it was another one. It's not, yeah, right. you know, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. isn't, isn't like, you know, earth shattering news, you know? Right. So when you, when you see those kind of, um, you know, changes in somebody's business or, you know, w- when they can go from starting a business to being a hundred percent referral in, you know, a couple of years, mm-hmm. or they go from, you know, we're doing well, but now we're really, you know, crushing it. And it's all because, you know, we figured out this referral piece. Um, it's, that's so cool to, to yeah. hear that stuff. So, so has Firestorm always been B2B or did you, was it a mixed bag for a little while? We don't talk about those early days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was a mixed bag for a little while, <laughs> it a, right? <laughs> it was a mixed bag. Uh, no, it was great. We, uh, in the beginning it was, um, I was B2C, you know, and right. so was my, uh, my business partner, Chris. Um, yeah. so Chris owned a title company. Um, they were doing residential title insurance and I was selling suits, you know, it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't B2B, you know, most, and when we started, it was Oh five. Um, we were in this, you know, frenzied real estate market. So yeah. like most of the people that came in, in the beginning were real estate, you know, related, you know, it was a mortgage and insurance and realtors and property managers and, you know, wholesalers for all those things. And so it was very, uh, there was a lot of that real estate stuff. And then we had financial advisors and, you know, um, and we had a, we did have a couple B2B focus groups, uh-huh. you know, because they were, the B2B guys were like, we need some, something that's B2B only. Right. Um, so we did have a couple of groups, but we made the switch to a hundred percent B2B in 2012. Uh-huh. Um, and then, uh, we've been B2B ever since then. So nice. yeah. What was it that made you make the shift to, to focus only on B2B? Uh, you know, there's a couple of things. Um, one, I think the biggest thing was there, my, my business was starting to change and I enjoyed the complexity of those B2B conversations more. Um, there was, there was more, uh, of a, there was more problems to solve in that arena and there wasn't anybody doing straight B2B networking. You know, there's a lot of people that, we'll have a mix and, you know, they're, everybody's welcome. Um, or there's a lot of people that say they're B2B, but they're really not. And nobody (laughs) was really doing just B2B and, and being strict about it and, and, you know, doing it well. So, um, I saw an opportunity to, to be that, uh, solution for people, but I also, um, I just enjoyed the process more with, you know, the, Um, there's, there's more nuance to it and figuring out, you know, who's the decision maker and how do you get referred into that person? And, you know, it's not always the, the players that influence a decision. Um, it's not all the same, you know, the person that strokes the check isn't always the person that's using the product or, you know, the person that gets in the door isn't the person that's stroking the check or, um, you know, with a 
consumer transaction, those were really all one and the same, right, you know, right. and uh, which is fine. And, sure. and there's still a big need for, um, you know, these types of uh, systems and processes, you know, in the uh, B2C side of things. But I just I liked the yeah. you know, complexity of the B2B. So we talked we've talked a little bit about uh, in the past about focus on, you know, when it comes to referrals. And yeah. Things like that. When you t- tell me about the the difference that you saw, if you saw any difference about the speed with which Firestorm was able to grow once you started focusing in on the B2B versus the early days and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's interesting. There's there's a lot of interest in the b2b side of things Mm -hmm. and so i feel like and and there's a more of a differentiator you know and we can say hey we're we're strictly b2b and mean it you know we're like we turn people away constantly right um so that i think attracted a lot of people um and the the velocity of our growth was similar but the the quality of the people that we attracted was different. And I think um, we're much more picky now with yeah. uh, who we allow to get in. And that's it's interesting because, one, you know, when you uh, start to get more focused and you say, okay, here's really, this is our niche, you right. know, and it's, it's pretty narrow. Like right. you've got to be... Uh, you know, for, for Firestorm's purposes, you know, you've got to be a um, business owner or salesperson that's selling into businesses right. um, that are, you know, one to 50 million in revenue. And um, 70% of our people are business owners and the other 30% are salespeople. But, you know, when you get really uh, specific about that, um, you weed out a lot of the market. Um, so you don't have access to so many clients, which I think is, you know, when we are a small business, people are like, oh, why would you do that? Why would you like, right, you know, right. say no to all these people right off the bat? Um, but uh, once you once you get really specific about it, then, you know, you as a, a person that's in that market, you're like, hey, everybody else that's selling the same people I'm selling to, like, right. you should come check this out. You know, right. like yep. it goes word spreads a lot faster. Um, and especially when you take it seriously and you do well. Uh, so I think that has more than made up for, you know, like narrowing our focus. Sure. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I, I'm super happy with our decision and, you know, I I know that there's a, a huge need for it out there, even though, you know, um, ultimately when you look at other organizations that are out there, I don't know that we're ever going to be, uh, you know, competitive size wise Uh with, you know, these other organizations that shall remain unnamed, Sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be the biggest thing. I don't, I'm right. not, I don't want, I'm, try, I'm not trying to be Google, you know, like right. I want to be the super niche, um, like we're crushing it in what we do. So, yeah. um, but yeah, and it, it makes it easier for people to refer us to, right. cause there's a, there's some specificity to what we're looking for. Absolutely. And so tell me, cause I mean, obviously, you know, your business is, creating spaces for people to give referrals right yep. so i'm curious one of the things that i've always uh, appreciated about the firestorm model is the voting process right that yeah. it has to be a unanimous vote to allow someone else to come into the chapter 
Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I lead the, the Friday downtown chapter. And so if anybody wants to come in, you know, it's not just my decision, but it's the entire groups. Yep. Yep. And I'm curious how you've seen that impact, uh, impact the group long-term impact groups long-term and their ability to, to, uh, to generate referrals. Right. I mean, do you see poison pills going into groups and, kind of and watching them start to dissipate a little bit or is it uh, I mean how has that uh, you know just I get and I'm asking specifically for because it's uh, because I guess the point that I want to make is that it's important to make sure you you define who you surround yourself with right? yeah totally and so I guess uh, if can, uh, comment on that or, or can I speak to that a little bit yeah 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 totally um so I'll answer your question, and then I want to go on a little bit of a tangent. Um, <laughs> and the uh, the answer is, it's super important that you are judicious with who you allow in your circle. Uh -huh. You know, and when basically and whether it's a firestorm chapter or exactly, you know, yeah, right, yeah, and and so um, that's one of the you know things with uh, a firestorm group is you know, and and really what. A networking group should be, um, regardless of you know the brand or you know whether you're in a chamber or you're just doing something on your own. Sure. Um, my belief is that you know this this should be a, a pre-made group of people that you know are really good referral partners for you that are right. you know that you trust and you don't have any qualms about sending somebody a deal. You know, right. like anybody in my group that that's I'm meeting with on a regular basis. I know they're going to take care of any deal I send them, you know? Right. So I, I just don't even have to think about it because otherwise why, why would I be there? Yeah. You know? Um, so I think that's super important, um, with the voting process, uh, is, is making sure that you've got somebody in the group that, that you feel that everybody feels comfortable with, uh -huh. you know, like no questions asked. Like, I know if I refer that person to somebody like, they're good. Right. And, um, and that's not always the case, you know, right. especially in groups that are, uh, they, there's, oh, you can fog a mirror and write us a check. Right. You're in sweet. Um, or, you know, and, and it's tough, you know, I mean, sometimes you've got to have that long-term focus, especially when you're starting a new group, um, where, you know, there's a, only a couple of people in the beginning and I, you know, it's, I get it. It's frustrating. Like I, I've been there. I, like I, sure, I don't know. Yeah. I think I've started like a couple hundred groups, and you know, you're, there's always that meeting where you're sitting around the table and it's you and one other person. You're like, what are we doing here? Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> or, or just you by yourself. Right? Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, yeah. It's less painful if it's me by myself That's true, because I don't yeah. have to stare at the other person and like, <laughs> <right>. okay. <laughs> so sorry, this sucks. But uh, come back next week. Right. right. Um. But but it's important that when you're at that stage that you're just as judicious with right. who you allow in. Yep. You don't want to just get butts and seats um, because then that person is there. And, you know, a year or 18 months down the road when you're like, oh, man, I would, uh, yeah. <laughs> had things been different, I right. wouldn't have said yes. But, um, yeah, anyway, so long-winded uh, response. But uh, the so I want to go off on this other little tangent, which um, is uh, Dunbar's number. And uh -huh. so, uh, Dr. Robin Dunbar is a British anthropologist, um, who, uh, talks about, um, 
the group sizes and it, a lot of his, you know, studies have been uh, done on primates, but, uh -huh. you know, it sort of extrapolates that into human group sizes. Sure. And there's, um, the, he wrote this book called How Many Friends Does One Person Need? And there's a, a f definitive answer to that question. And, and it's, uh, the, it's 148. So right. um, there's uh, 148 people that we can maintain a relationship with. And the way he defines, you know, having a relationship or maintaining a relationship with somebody is the number of people that you could show up unannounced and have a beer with and it wouldn't be weird or tea or coffee or whatever your thing is. Sure. Um, I'm not trying to push drinks on people. Right. <laughs> if I was at my house, I would. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so um, the, uh, the idea is that, you know, you've only got a limited amount of... Um, T space in your right. brain to, to maintain relationships with people. And that 148 people is broken down into four smaller categories. And the two core categories that I think are the most important are uh, the, the, the center sphere of influence is five people. And you spend 50% of your time uh -huh. with those five people. And then the next sphere out is an additional 15 and you spend an additional 25% of your time with those people. So, so the 20 people that are the core of your network, you spend 75% of your time with. Right. And so I think it's really important to be mindful of who those 20 people are, sure. you know, and like what kind of stuff are you talking about and what kind of thoughts are you feeding and, you know, what kind of conversations and, you know, the... I don't know. It's just it, it's something that I think people take for granted or don't think about that much, but it's so important. And um, I think uh, you'd be well served to to think about that a little bit more. Yeah. Well, what's the your the sum total of the five people that you surround yourself with most? Right. Yeah. Is yeah. What it is. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's very true. And so I mean, I guess kind of rounding off that question you know very specifically have you seen you know if you're if you're building a group right whether yep. it's a <clears throat> whether it's a firestorm chapter or whether it's a just a group of of networking connections that you want to mm -hmm. that you want to build on your own for people that are listening out there you know have you seen poison pills go into a group and just completely destroy the uh, the ability to be productive yeah, like absolutely. That. Yeah. And sorry, I, you asked that before and I forgot about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, why, so, that's why I'm here. I bring it yeah. all back. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you got to be mindful of that. And uh, everybody's got a bad day, right? You know, sure, everybody yeah. will have a time where they come in and they're just kind of, you know, um, Debbie Downer and like, right. like life is hard. And, um, and that's okay once in a while. And right. then, and that's what the group is there four, you know, and, and, or your, your network, your friends, your uh -huh. family, you know, whatever is like you hear people hear you talking like that and they smack you upside the head and say, you know, here's all the great things about right. your life. You know, why are you talking about that? Um, and, uh, but you've got to be mindful of that and you've got to watch out for people that, you know, get in there and start, you know, saying negative things, you know, like sure. I, I just, I have no tolerance for negative people in my life and or negative thoughts and there I mean I've got enough negative thoughts in my own head right, you know? like, right yeah. I don't need other people around sure. me saying stuff like that um so you've got and it's it's a tough conversation you know you've got a um there's a there's a a way you can kind of coach people out of it uh -huh. um and you can 
you know, give it the old college try a few times. But at the end of the day, if somebody isn't willing to work on their own stuff and yeah. they're just bringing that to the table all the time, sure. peace out, man. I got yeah, right. You got to go. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Okay. So if you could tell yourself, go back and tell yourself one thing that uh, would make an impact and uh, change the trajectory of your time over the course of the past uh, 20 some odd years. Yeah. What uh, what would that piece of advice be? Uh I'm trying to figure out how to get a message back about lottery numbers, but <laughs> no, um, no, I think the, uh, the biggest thing is just to, to be patient and play the long game, you know, yeah. for whatever reason, I, I've always known that, but didn't practice it. Sure. You know, there's many times where I got a little impatient and made <laughs> the wrong choices because I wanted things to happen faster and I think if I could uh, go back and, you know, tell myself to, you know, just lay the groundwork, yeah. just chill out, enjoy the ride, you know, even now I have to remind myself of that, you know, like I'm 40 and right. I'm not where I want to be and I'm not where I thought I would be at 40 if I went back and asked my 20 year old self. Um, sure. But I love the process. I love the, you know the adventure, the game, the hustle, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Like, and this is something Gary Vee says all the time. You know, he's like, you got to, being an entrepreneur, like starting a business, being a business owner, it's not a move. It's not a tactic, you know, right. like you've got to enjoy the process because yeah. otherwise you're going to burn out super fast, right, you know, like right, yeah. getting kicked in the teeth all the time and, you know, all the losses you suffer and all the, you know, yeah. long nights and, you know, the self-doubt and imposter syndrome and all this other BS that you have to go through. Sure. Like any, any time of the day, if somebody was like, hey, you want a job that'll pay you like a quarter million a year? I'm like, Yep. <laughs> Give me well, out of this. You and I have talked about this. Like every now and then, you know, you look at it and you're just like, man, sometimes I just want to pack it all in and go be an ice cream man or something. <laughs> right. you know? I mean, yeah, but, you know, I mean, it's there's a great, uh, great quote by a, a career military, um, a career military leader, and I don't remember who said it. But uh, but he said that, you know, being a career military person is something that you only do if you can't imagine yourself doing anything else. Right. Yeah. And I think being a business owner is the same way. Right. I mean, you talk about your, you know, the way that you got into Firestorm. I look at the I look at the way that I got into mission speed. And it's very similar. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, there's a there there and I got to pursue this. Right. Yeah. There's a drive and a need that you have <laughs> that you have to try to fulfill. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you'll you're going to be restless for the rest of your life. Right? Totally. Yeah. And so, you know, I do you know, I, we do this because we can't imagine ourselves doing anything yeah. different, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's uh, it's an important thing to uh, it's an important thing to to, to kind of keep in mind, you know. Yep. So, yep. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So, uh, where can people find you? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I uh, I can never run for public office uh, because there is only one of me right. in the world. <laughs> like, if you Google Philip Pelto. Uh, I'm the only person that shows up. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, all of my past transgressions will yeah, right. you know, be on display. Um, anyway, uh, LinkedIn, I'm all over LinkedIn, Philip Pelto, um, got Instagram, Facebook, you know, all that fun stuff. And uh, the uh, 
company is My Firestorm. So we're at My Firestorm on everything. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the Referral Bench podcast, of check course. us out. Yeah. Um, and the website is just www.myfirestorm.com. Nice. Nice. Well, this was fun. It was great, uh, great imparting wisdom on uh, on the listeners uh, <laughs> from, from us. It was it was fun, uh, fun, fun getting to interview you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks for thanks for having me on our show. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. That was another awesome episode of the Referral Bench Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, tuning in, and sticking around till the end. We really appreciate it, and we appreciate you sharing it with all your friends as well. Absolutely. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, whatever platform you're using. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast as well. That definitely helps us with our ratings and with our rankings and whatnot and uh, helps us get in front of more people. We're dropping fresh episodes every Thursday morning, so tune in every week, and we look forward to hearing you next time. And we'll see you next week. Cheers.